Very serious now, very serious. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Two Wizards and a Mic, where a couple of old dudes talk about D&D, and they want you to have a better game because playing a game is important. It's fun. It has no agenda at all. It's a game. So, Andrew, hi, how are you doing? Good, yeah, just waiting for the uh, snowfall tonight. Yeah, it's supposed to start tonight, and it's supposed to go uh, again tomorrow night, apparently. Wednesday, they've upgraded our blizzard, whatever the heck, but, you know, minus one, we're all going to die. Well, Maybe minus it's interesting two. how the last 10 years, all of a sudden, we're starting to get snow and some freezing weather. Um, most of the year is way, way hotter than normal, much hotter. And we have all True. these with forest fires. But uh, in fact, I read that there's still forest fires up north, which is... Really? Yeah. I had no idea. That I also saw this terrifying. that last year, 19 million hectares were burned in Canada. And the year before, 1.5 million hectares were burned. I that It's a number I don't want to think about. Yeah, yeah. Because so it is so huge, it feels like the end of days uh, are upon us. Well, we have some work to do, that's for sure. Let's burn all the forests. Yeah, get rid of them all. Just get rid of them now. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's only Tuesday. Um, uh, today's topic. I sorry, I had to change gears of thinking about the world ending and forest fires. Uh, but today we're talking about travel in D&D, which is something that all campaigns, no matter where you are, you do. You either, uh, you know, planes, tra actually not planes. <laughs> well, actually, maybe dragons, uh, maybe uh, planes, trains, uh, trains would be uh, uh, wagons. And, dragons, uh, uh, hippogriffs and flying carpets. There you go. Done. Yeah. So basically, uh, yeah, the, it's kind of a, it's one of those overlooked things, I think, because uh, there are all kinds of important uh, nuance to it. There's all kinds of things you can do with it. But before we talk about that, uh, is there any update on the Kickstarter? Yeah. So we have the two Kickstarters right now, the Monsters of the Dungeon Kickstarter. So the books are actually now there's a few of them that have been printed already. And the UK printer was faster than the one in the U.S., so there's actually Very books cool. being shipped already as of yesterday to UK backers. And then I've ordered a number of American, Canadian, German, uh, one Austrian um, books so far from the US printer. So these are going out to the backers around the world. We're waiting for the soft cover version to arrive at the office so we can double check it. And then the soft cover versions will be ordered. And yeah, that Kickstarter is in really good shape. Like we're talking more than 50% of the orders have shipped. Nice. And the other Kickstarter is our World of Mirror one, which I'm currently finishing the manuscript for. And um, I'm getting down to finer details, like the tributaries of rivers, naming those and... Uh, Nice. highlighting a few specialties in some taverns, some meals that they might have at certain taverns. So we're getting down to the fine details and we're hoping that that manuscript can be done in the next two to three weeks. And, That's awesome. um, yeah. And the maps for the world of mirror too. We don't have too much more to do with that. 
So basically, you're in the tail end, and uh, we will have books fairly quickly, actually, I guess. Is that, is that true? For the dungeon book? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And for the... Uh, sorry. For the, I'm the hoping book. the books are actually going to be uh, in our hot little hands in terms of... Uh, oh, my lord, my phone's ringing. Get out of here. Um, for the World of Mirror book. But yeah, I, I'm, jumping, book. I'm jumping ahead in time. Yeah, World of Mirror. So, so next month... The end of this month and then next month will be a lot of art to do and finishing the maps and the layout. So, yeah, we we target April to hopefully get everything done for the mirror book, but it's possible we could have the PDF ready in March. Um, maybe even the books will be ready. So, yeah, probably March or April. And, um, yeah, the... Publishing continues. Well, I'm looking forward to the adventures. I'm I'm like so far ahead. There's all these things that I want to have now. I want it today. Finish that manuscript and send me a PDF. <laughs> Actually, that's pretty much every single Kickstarter that's uh, has some sort of book related to it. So, travel, travel, travel. Um, first of all, what brought uh this to mind for uh our topic today well we have we have talked before about how sometimes the real adventure is between adventures and we've actually written a couple of books about that called uh we have the between between dungeons um handbook on drive through and we have the between adventures handbook on um the dm's guild and um that's to remind game masters that there can be so much that can happen between the dungeon and the town and the castle and the, the seaport. And that sometimes the funnest part of the games can be what happens in between these locations. And, you know, the party, first of all, they can get lost. That's a simple thing. Um, you can have them do a wilderness check in 5e to see if they... Um, you know, survival is a wilderness check, wisdom check to see if they're lost. Um, they have to be careful of supplies, so potentially they could run out of supplies and food. And strategy can be very important. And when you're traveling, there are certain places you don't want to go. Um, right, right. Like on Sunday night, the group that you're in, the party is trying to stay away right now from the kingdom's forces because they are very wary of them. So they're they're traveling under the cover of darkness and they're actually going to swim across a river to try to avoid detection as well. So you want to do some, it helps to do some reconnaissance, scouting ahead, which is a theme of mine. Um, and of course, the basic method of traveling is going to be by foot especially at the beginning of these games because your players don't have enough gold to buy horses yeah. or um, travel and other by other means. So when you're on foot, you can forage for food. You might run into an inn or, inn or tavern on the road. Um, those are useful to have because 
usually when you have an inn or a tavern, it's in a settlement. And that means that the encounters are limited because there's not likely to be a giant or a demon or, you know, a certain kind of creature. But when yeah. it's a, an inn or tavern that's in the wilderness, anything is up, you know, anything can happen. Um, and I like that quite a bit. Then the terrain is always an issue. And if it's difficult terrain in 5e, that means you're moving about half as fast as normal. The weather, like, you know, a storm can affect ranged weapons. Um, again, it can make the terrain difficult if, it, if there's a flood. Um, you could have paths or roads that, roads that are washed out. Um, bridges that are damaged. You could have rope bridges that provide a certain kind of challenge. Uh, there can be landslides and avalanches. So the party really feels the effects of the weather and the terrain once they're on foot. Um, out in the open in the wilderness, especially at lower levels, they're easy targets. And there's more of a chance, again, that there could be monsters in the wilderness than if you're in a town or a city. Yeah. Like there's all of those kinds of things. Everything you've mentioned is actually to me, I've played campaigns where the travel has just been, where are you going to go? We're now going to this location. Great. All right. You've arrived. Mm -hmm. Nothing is ever discussed because that, you know, the, the travel could have been, I don't know, four or five days, but there's nothing happening within that. But in the games that I'm with, when I'm playing, uh, that you're running, we always encounter something. There's going to be, I mean, very few times are there, you know, if we've just finished something, we're trying to get to a location and we still have a bit of travel to go. It's usually fairly uneventful. We get there, but you'll always have something where you meet somebody on the road. You might, you know, they're just, they're just traveling by and we, you know, the players can choose whether or not to interact with that, that uh, party or whatever it is. Um, we've had dragons kind of stumble out of the woods and be like, hi, how's it going? We're going to eat you now. Um, mm -hmm. there's all kinds of stuff like thinking about stuff that gets washed out because a lot of the time people are, you know, they, they if they have to transport something, they're going to either get a, a fleet of horses or they're going to get a, 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 you know, some sort of thing like a wagon or some floating object that they can put stuff on. And you never really think about that oh we can't we've actually chosen this route and now we're here the you know there was a landslide it wiped out the road we have to figure out a way to get around it which is actually such a it's such a real thing to happen like there's nothing that you've described that is completely insane like uh, oh yeah worms are gonna i don't know suddenly pop out of the ground and they suck the wagon into the ground like that kind of stuff i mean that, that could happen but ultimately just the day-to-day -day living in a fantasy world is also impactful on what the characters are doing from in, in this particular case from getting from point a to point b and like like on the weekend we were traveling from one location to another we encountered some people we encountered uh, a creature we encountered uh some towers that we could have gone to as the party could have like, oh, there's a tower here. There's what we could check that out or go and talk to the people that are there. Um, we had opportunities all the way along. So it wasn't just like, okay, so now you've left town X. You're now in town Y. 
and uh, or at, at the outskirts of town why like there's there's i i just i like that there's just the lived world experience uh is very helpful so yeah i think it helps it is an opportunity to make the world feel real you know you can't overdo it and have too many encounters and too many things happen in between the locations but um you know many times i like they're they're my lucas elements you know like i always want to make sure you know merchants is something you're probably going to run into and it it helps the world seem real because you understand what the economy is like um soldiers who'd be patrolling the that certain kingdom or that area um pilgrims right there's so many different kinds of people and that you could run into um you could even have people actually i thought of something today i never did before which was you could have people like rebuilding a road or a bridge that had been damaged um you could meet other adventurers that are traveling so there's so many ways to help the world feel real elements that you could add um i often mention the wildlife that's around while you're traveling like i'll say oh you see some deer off to the right in the woods or uh, a hawk flies over the trail just little things like that that actually help the world come to life and it's that opportunity thing where the party doesn't necessarily have to trot off to go check out the deer or do something to see what the hawk is up to. It's just, they could, I suppose. They could say, oh, hey, we're going to follow where the hawk is going. Maybe it'll lead us somewhere, which will totally screw with a lot of DMs because they'd be like, uh, okay. Um, yeah. uh, uh, uh. <laughs> but it's all about that opportunity where you have the the collective storytelling part of it. Uh, if you don't have those opportunities, it can get pretty boring. And I think that, uh, or at least, you don't you miss a lot of the game where it's, you're not being led down the garden path as it were. And you're going down the garden path being gently led, but then you're getting, you know, flowers thrown at you or you're getting, Oh my God, I can't, the, the cobblestones are broken here. So that you know, all of that kind of stuff going from one location to another is, I just I, I I sound like a broken record, but I like it. I like that lived world, and I think it's, it's something that just you know you don't get it a lot of the time, because there's no, there's not enough people that own the in between dungeons uh, <laughs> handbook, which you can get on, uh, uh, what's that website called again? <laughs> Well, RPG. yeah, one of them is on our website and drive through and the other is on DMs Guild. Um, DMs Guild, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's many setting books I've looked at that have nothing really, they don't really discuss anything about this, but um, you can also, you know, you also offer up all these options for players to interact with and they don't have to necessarily. Um, there's also tolls that people could have to pay on the road or people collecting taxes for the kingdom. So there's so many opportunities Ooh, like to show. One. Yeah, you can show what the world is like, how things run, uh, who's in charge. Um, yeah, what kind of weather and terrain you're dealing with. Now, the next level after the players make some gold is that now you can actually buy a horse, travel by foot. Um, you're now traveling twice as fast usually however you need stables for this horse whenever wherever you go usually you need food you need some protection potentially for this creature you can buy armor um it gives the ability for you to carry a lot more however 
as we've mentioned before, the mount is a, a target, an easy one uh, in D&D. And you might want to consider ways of protecting it. And they can also have a personality, which adds to the role playing. And um, one of our books, we go into great detail about, you know, this horse hates elves and this horse doesn't like going near water and this horse doesn't like carrying too much weight and this horse is scared, is scared of battle. So there's, there's so many interesting things you could do. It doesn't have to be a horse. It could be a giant frog. It could be a hippogriff. Um, and these mounts can be expensive. A horse is expensive for a low level character, but, um, we did a whole show about mounts as well, not that long ago, but you could ride an elk, um, a dragon, potentially even, uh, giant eagle, uh, Pegasus, a unicorn. And then there's mounts. If you're a halfling or gnome, you could actually ride a mastiff or some or a giant weasel you could you know something not that big um and these can potentially be hard to handle um they can be hard to find but you might have to buy one it's actually the 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 riding a mastiff you've mentioned that before and i kind of want to do that now um my next character will have to be a halfling but I mean, there's also the creativity of of not just the of the mounts, but because we there was a, there's a character that we had that had another character that was miniaturized or smaller, mm-hmm. and they carried them. Yeah, and I thought that was cool. Um, yeah, you know, just the, the touches like that that are, I guess, really. I, I don't want to say they're neglected, but I think they are to a lot of degree. Like to to some, I mean, I'm going back in my mind of all the games I've played, but um, I think that uh, we have to encourage other tables to think about those sorts of things by going to uh, DM's Guild and purchasing everything by Kway Publishing. Um, <laughs> I'm a broken record. Um, but of course, traveling on land is only one thing. Um, in the uh, In the notes, I love the ice ship. That yeah. Well, I should finish land by amazing. saying that. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Just, it's okay. I'm excited that about that one. There's also wagons, carts, carriages, um, and those can be for a fee, or you could potentially purchase it. These things can take some damage, so you might want to figure out like what's the armor class for a wagon or a cart carriage. How much? How many? You know, how many hit points damage could they take? You might have a skill check to be able to use these well, like um, a proficiency with vehicles. And as you mentioned there, yes, uh, an ice ship in certain locations, that's another um, option. And we actually did that once. I'm not sure if you remember. Up in- I, 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 I do, because I, I just love the idea of being in an environment where you have basically a sailing ship that's on ice rather than water. I, I just... Mm-hmm. That's such a great concept, and I and I, you know, we've seen it before. It's not something brand new. It's been actually around for. I think I think Dragonlance had it as well, um, in one of their uh, adventures. But um, I just I just like the uniqueness of a lot of these travel the styles of travel, which I think are just the coolest things ever. Yeah, Ice Ship was pretty fun. We did that up on one of the northern continents in Mir, and. 
a person kept doing a vehicle skill check and they were actually doing really well for quite a while and you know flying around or shooting around on this thing uh on the ice with the party and then eventually they failed miserably and the thing went crashing luck luckily if you're that you know in that sort of situation often you're crashing into snow so yes luckily that that's what ended up happening it could have been crashing into ice and the ice breaks and then there's a whole other a whole other scene um yeah so that's another level you know first you're on foot then you get a horse then maybe potentially you have some sort of vehicle the next step is a really big jump up which is going by ship which can be anything from a rowboat to a keelboat to a sailing ship or a big galley um, these can be very expensive some of them are tens of thousands of gold there's some prices for these in the player's handbook and the dungeon master's guide there's fan fantastic rules in the new salt marsh book for ships a lot of detailed information there's little maps of the ships of what they would look like that's the only good part about that book <laughs> but it's really, <laughs> it's really good in my opinion but it's that part is really good uh the ghost of salt marsh the ship section is really well done um and yeah these these open up whole new areas. You have to hire a crew if you have a large ship. Uh, you have to guard it when it's in port. And you can have ship-to-ship -ship battles, which are, you know, fantastic. Yes. I mean, the fact that you have a... You're not just rolling dice for yourself. You're rolling dice for a group uh, mm -hmm. in a lot of those sorts of situations. And... I find that very stressful because it's like, I, be I better roll good because otherwise this is going to not just hurt me. It's going to hurt a bunch of people. And I, I like the idea that you have the skill checks to do these things because that's one thing that a lot of people tend to, I'm going to buy a horse. Does your character know how to ride a horse? Has your character ever ridden a horse? What about pilot piloting, driving a wagon? What about <laughs> guiding a ship? Like all these kinds of situations are come up, I think, in my mind for uh, making sure that your character can actually do the thing you're doing, because that, again, is another opportunity for mishaps to occur, glories to occur, where you use the ship in a way that, you know, might have been accidental or you could have been on purpose. Maybe your character just happened to roll really well, but was not necessarily proficient uh, in that particular uh, skill. Uh, because of reasons, you know, they might have to pilot the ship because the person who had the skill is unconscious or whatever. But it gives you those kinds of story beats where you can, uh, you know, have something go awry, like the ice thing. But um, yeah, I just think it's it's really, it kind of adds another layer because you don't just ju jump in a car and drive away. You you have to learn how to operate the machine. You have to learn the the ins and outs of it because. Horses can get injured. Boats could break, like just naturally, like just wear and tear. Like it's mm -hmm. like, oh, we're leaking. Well, why are we leaking? Oh my God, what's attacking us? Well, nothing. The wood is rotten. Fix, fix can you fix your yeah. boat now? That kind of stuff. Yeah, that section in the Ghost of Salt Marsh goes into so much detail about just what you're talking about. You know, damaged ships running into a storm, you get caught in a whirlpool. There's so many things that could happen. There can be a mutiny. Um, 
there's so many, you know, somebody could just get seasick, right. And end up being incapacitated. So <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it really adds another level, uh, another level of, you know, more flavor to the whole adventure. Now, moving on to a new height, new heights literally is the flying aspect. So the spell fly is very short lived, but there are magic items you could use to fly. There's um, having a flying mount, flying carpets, flying broomsticks, uh, magical wings you can get, uh, and using an airship. And these are all, you know, real game changes because they give you such an advantage if you're in the air to scout out an area, to escape. And the one drawback, as we've mentioned before, is that yeah. if you get damaged too badly or your mount dies and you're in midair or the magic item fails to work, you're now, you've got a long way to get to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that has happened in our adventures. Uh, yeah, that happened a, to a you. A couple of times. It happened. I, I, I remember, I forgot why I was in the air, but it was above a lake. If I yeah, you were... I believe you were on a rock, this giant bird, and you were fighting right. him. And you, you, you were, you were very happy because you've de you defeated him, but then you and the party realized that you were, you know, about a hundred feet, hundred and fifty feet in the air above the party, and the rock couldn't fly anymore. <laughs> and gravity I mean, again—that's the stuff effect. that's awesome. Gravity is important. And yeah, I I relearned that in that adventure. Yeah. But it's always at the back of the mind too. It's like I'm gonna climb on this thing and I'm gonna fight it. And mm -hmm. and you're kind of in the thinking about it like, I don't know, is that actually a good idea? And <laughs> that's fine. I'm above water. I can't die that way, can yeah. I? Yeah. Uh, the, the DM's like, actually, yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, I liked what one DM did. He said falling damage into water or onto water. He does half, he does it cut it in half. So it's supposed to be every 10 feet in, in 5e, it's 1d6 damage. And the maximum's like, I think, 10d6 or something. Anyway, um, when you hit it, you, when you land into water, he just decided to do that, but then cut the damage in half. Um, yeah, it's one way to do it. Um, so another level of transport would be teleportation, either doing... Um, the teleport spell or using a circle, a permanent circle, or one that's being conjured. Now, and there's also, of course, the helm of teleportation. Right. So these can actually, you can actually do multiple people, especially with teleport. You can do 10 people. I think helm of, yeah, helm of teleportation you can as well. So you can do your whole party and you can go to a place that you've known before as long as it's on the same plane of existence there's Shane. he's back from on our plane and um i know i just i just lost the monitor for some reason yeah so as long as you're on the same plane as long as you know the place you can do that but then there's some you can add some subtleties where it doesn't work 100 percent. so maybe you get near where you want to go or it doesn't or it's possible it doesn't work but this you know level of being able to travel around um is much easier than many of the others and obviously much faster yeah i mean teleport uh, to me teleportation 
is okay. Portals for long distance travel, stuff like that, tend to... I mean, they're cool. I gotta admit that part, but sometimes I kind of feel like it's cheating. Like you're, like you, like you've stepped onto an airliner and you've flown yeah. somewhere and you're landing and it's, but I mean, for the purposes of storytelling, I mean, they work really, really well. Yeah. Um, well, I, I joked in our notes that they're a great storytelling device, literally and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Um, That's so true. But you are, you are a hundred percent correct. I think. In, and that's why I would only, and really the game actually only introduces these at higher levels. You know, people shouldn't be getting the teleport spell at low levels or even mid levels, yeah. really. It's a higher level spell and portals as well. I think it's kind of reserved for a higher level, but those kind of things I think you need at that level because the stakes are much higher, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, the adventurers might be traveling to another plane um, through a portal. They might be chasing somebody through a portal. They might, you know, they might be trying to save the world and they don't really have time to get on a horse and ride for five days. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that it's it's such a great thing because uh, the portal that always reminds me is in Tomb of Horrors, mm -hmm. where there's the portal that you just disappear. The mm -hmm. character is gone. For good, yeah. And and I love that idea that portals or or uh, mystical ways of traveling are unpredictable. Not exactly. Not always. You're not just just because it says it's going to Planet X or wherever it's up to. It's not necessarily going to go there. Uh, you could just kind of blink out of existence. Or as we've found so many times, uh, we're suddenly in a different plane and. Uh, you know, we can't get back. We have to kind of wait for something to progress within the adventure before that actually happens. So, yeah, yeah I, think I think it's actually, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you're right. Again, I think, you know, that, again, it depends Depends how powerful the, the characters are. Um, they can be a great device. We have them in the world of Mir. But what we're going to do is we're going to add a table in this world book that gives you that you can roll on if you want to have some extra event happening happen with the use of the portal so maybe it doesn't work maybe it sends you to a different place in that world maybe it sends you to another world um maybe it calls forth a guardian that will now protect the portal and won't let you get through um maybe it actually calls forth and summons something to aid you a creature that could aid you so you know maybe when you go through the portal, your magic items suddenly don't work for an hour. So that's a great. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Like some, you have some sort of uh, penalty for using those kinds yeah. of. Right. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, maybe you fall asleep or maybe you forget who you are for, you know, an hour or something like there's. <laughs> It's such a powerful tool to have, a device to have that, I, you know, when you say, you know, that it's cheating, I think it is if it's just that you can kind of go wherever you want, unless maybe you're, you know, again, exceptionally high levels. But yeah. in general, I think, you know, there should be many sides to these items. That's why I love magic items that have more than one side, like especially ones that, you know, ones that, give a boon to the character but then also there's 
some downfall downside to it. And right. I would put portals in the same, you know, in that same category that, you know, sure, maybe they'll work sometimes, maybe they'll be really useful, but other times they could, you know, take the story in a new direction. Well, I ha I did a I ran a game uh, where a character one of the NPCs you run into uh, had access to a portal, and they you know and this is like level one characters that are encountering this thing, uh, but I the twist that I gave was uh, there was this big build up to this whole idea there was a portal they could use, and then they get to the portal if they choose to go there, and the NPC that they encounter to reveal this portal exists there you know if the character is based on well wh where does it go and the character the NBC goes i have no idea i've never used it it's terrifying to me but i have it you know like i turn this i rub this rock and suddenly it's there but mm -hmm. i have no idea i've thrown stuff through and it's never come back i don't know what's on the other side and nothing has mm -hmm. come through so there's kinds of things like that that uh that you can play with that idea of having a a, a I call them a penalty, but essentially, as you said, a downside to uh, accessing such powerful things uh, early in early games. So, that, yeah, that's uh, a really good example. Um, once I showed one of your parties; they were in some castle where there were portals to every single one of the nine continents in Mir, and they could see th <laughs> through to each of these continents, and each of them had a scene. I think I, yeah, and I also had a song for each when they looked at each portal and they got a sense of what the world, the whole world was like just by looking through these portals, but they chose to only go through two of them and I think two of them and one of them, they just went through briefly and then they came back. So even high level characters, you know, will... You know, it's it's fun to present them with options in terms of this kind of travel. And it doesn't necessarily mean they have to take every route. Yeah, I think that's the important part of all of this is that I just I call them opportunities where you're giving them, presenting them with some information that could change the direction of where they're going. Um, for But you're letting them make the choice. The party will... The players will be, you know, hey, you've got this thing, this opportunity to do this thing. But like traveling on a road where you're encountering different people or seeing things off to the side or above, uh, you don't have to do anything. The characters could say, you know what? Screw it. We're still we got to get to, you know, Nottingham. We got to get there. So we got it's a four day trip by by foot, um, you know, they and they could encounter things along the way. That they do and decide to, you know, oh well, we have to fight these bandits because they're trying to do highway robbing or whatever. Um, but you know, those kinds of encounters they kind of have to deal with if they're being attacked. But everything else, you know, is kind of you don't have to jump on that rock and fly it into the air and kill it and then have to deal with that part. I could have done twenty five hundred other things, uh, but yeah. I think that uh, that a resource like uh, in between, as well as uh, just getting creative with uh, with you know characters moving within the world, and uh, and not necessarily just saying yeah okay you get there, you made it, nothing happened. 
Yeah, I think it's interesting to have, you know, at least, it depends, again, what makes sense in the world. Like, if you're going from one small village to another village, like, that's only, you know, a few miles away, then maybe you only had one encounter. Or maybe you just saw the beasts in the wilderness. But if it's, you know, if you travel for, you know, half a day or day or more, then hopefully you have a world that has a bit more to it. And again, I would have a few encounters there. And they don't all have to be ones that the party get, takes, um, you know, gets involved with. But you offer up this opportunity. Um, and I often, you know, most of my encounters that I have ready for a session, I have set so they can be moved around. So, and many times those are moved around in the wilderness more than the city because those are that's easier to do um and yeah that gives you opportunity to make the world feel more immersive exactly and that to me is the most important component of, of anything that uh D can do um is to have the ability to provide a lived-in environment because I always, I always think when I think of D and D in terms of of what is the world like, it's lived in. It must be lived in. People have been around, uh, creatures have been around, history has has been around, and things like Lord of the Rings have that in huge uh, amounts. And but when you're homebrewing or when you're doing something on your own or running an adventure that's a, a module you've picked up somewhere, um, being able to flesh those things out is is crucial because i always think of star wars and star trek and when you think of those two universes uh star trek is always presented generally not all the time but is this sort of utopian kind of everything is clean everything is organized um where star wars kind of takes a different uh look at the world where stuff is used stuff is encountering weather uh vehicles people robots you know all those kinds of things are living in the world and the world just doesn't provide them a place to live it's actually interacting with those characters mm -hmm. and and those those items that you're seeing and like going into any adventure like if you um find a sword as as part of a reward for for defeating a particular foe um having those little details that you're saying um you grab the sword. I'll now describe the sword and there's going to hopefully be something in there where, oh uh, yeah, but the blade is a bit of a, it's, it's hit something really hard. And there's a bit of a, a dent or a piece is missing, um, which the, the player could be like, oh, well, oh, that's, that's so cool. I've got a thing with a blah, blah, blah. Um, or, oh, I got to find that piece. Where is that piece? And that could actually invent on the spot. Although most DMs will have these things prepared that the piece the, the, of that sword won't impact the the use of it but maybe that player is like actually you know this character really wants to go after it, it needs it's a completionist it must have that piece and somehow rejoin it with that blade and blah 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 blah. so it has all of these opportunities to to do different things which might be crazy or it might be awesome you never know until you try so yeah so by all the way uh, by the way uh, make sure to go to uh to worldofmirror.com uh to find out where you can buy these books that we're referring to <laughs> well and i should mention uh to finish up that 
we're talking about this going out to the Kickstarter backers. So that's happening now. So that means that next week, this is actually going to be released publicly. So it should be Tuesday that this will be available in printed form or PDF on drive-through. And the PDF will be available at our website. That'll actually be the best price. If you want to buy PDFs of our books, the best price is always going to be on the website. Um, and then we'll have printed versions available at drive-through as well. Very cool. And by the way, that website, it's called a certain name. It's, it's, it's called something like worldofmirror.com. That's W-O-R-L-D-O-F-M-Y-R-R.com. <laughs> I'm getting good at the sales part. I got to say, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but seriously, people, uh, the, I, or I think we'll wrap it up there because we've been talking for a while. But uh, are there any final words for the Kickstarter? I mean, we've already kind of talked about it in great detail, but just in case. Um, just that a lot of the Canadian and American orders will be um, going out. Some of them have gone out. Some of them went out last week. There's some going out this week. And then I've started to work on a few of the European orders. And then, um, and then we have some more overseas orders like Australia and New Zealand. Um, yeah, so that's all underway. And the first books, as I mentioned, are ones that are in the UK that should be arriving any day. So that's great to hear. Nice. All right. Well, thank you everyone for watching, listening and joining us on this adventure. Uh, we of course do this for fun. So make sure you spread the word so we can have even more fun and sponsors and millions of advertising dollars. Nope, no one, no one, no one cares. It's so sad. <laughs> but again, seriously, thank you. All of the information that we talked about, there will be links if they are required. They'll be all downstairs, in downstairs, down below. And uh, you, of course, uh, you know, we're we're here almost every week. So uh, come check us out, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Later. Later.